Well, let me welcome you to our morning devotions here at Stevenson High Kirk in North Ayrshire. Over these October holidays, we have pre-recorded our services and are very grateful to have the Reverend Alan Ford sharing with us this morning. Well, Alan will also be sharing at the High Kirk this morning for our morning service at 10.30. So why not join us at the High Kirk as we worship together? Well, our Sunday club and creche have now started back in the church hall, and so we would be delighted to see all the children at 10.30 this morning. Well, for those not able to join us yet, why not visit our website at stevensonhighkirk.com, where we have some great resources for the children. Well, as we worship together this morning, the psalmist declares, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, let us worship God as we sing together in our opening hymn, Be Thou My Vision, and this is led by Aileen Gilchrist.
We've been through a lot. And wait patiently for things to get back to normal. But what is normal? And what will we go back to? As we get ready to return, to work, school, life, we know that no matter where life takes us, we are ready. Because we are the church. We don't look back. We push forward. Persevere. And embrace an unknown tomorrow. Because we trust in the God who created us, knows us, and most importantly, loves us. Because God calls us forward. We're never going back. Well, I'm now going to invite Bethany, Daniel and David to lead us in our prayers this morning. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Our blessed God, we rejoice this day in our exalted Saviour, who now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. We worship him as the Lamb upon the throne of heaven, the one who rules over all. And so we pray to you, Lord Jesus, with all authority as our King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and ask that you would listen to the cry of our hearts. We pray today for a troubled world. We continue to remember our NHS and those in social care, and those who work with struggling families and individuals. Guide the minds and hearts of those in the science field, who are still working so hard to keep on top of the different variants of COVID-19. We especially lift up those most affected by COVID-19. May they experience a season of healing, rest and hope for a new day. We also lift up all those involved in our emergency services who face desperate situations, whether in the ambulance, fire service, military or police service and be especially near to those of our own fellowship who are serving right now in all these areas. We lift up the families of all those who have lost loved ones, and for those who are struggling right now. O oh, touch them with your healing presence. We pray for the burdened, the sorrowful, the fearful, and the downcast. We pray that you will strengthen us in our faith, Grant a deep and unshakable assurance in Christ, our Bridegroom. We pray that your love and joy would fill all our struggling hearts. As we rest in your presence, may the loveliness of Christ and the fragrance of heaven fill our hearts and homes. For the glory of Christ our Saviour, we pray. Amen. Well, during the summer, we were challenged as Reverend Alan Ford led us in our devotions as we considered the early chapters of 1 Samuel. Therefore, this morning, Alan continues to share from 1 Samuel chapter 2, 
verses 27 to 36. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your father's house when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your father out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your father's house all the offerings made with fire by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribe for my dwelling? Why do you honour your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that your house and your father's house would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honour me I will honour, but those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your family line, and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, in your family line there will never be an old man. Every one of you that I do not cut off from my altar will be prepared only to blind your eyes with tears and to grieve your heart and all your descendants will die in the prime of life and what happens to your two sons Hophni and Phineas, will be assigned to you they will both die in the same day I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind I will firmly establish his house and he will minister before my anointed one always then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a crust of bread and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so that I can have food to eat. Back in July in the church we started a small study from the book of Samuel. Remember Elkanah and Hannah and the baby Samuel, no priest Eli. If you weren't there, then feel free to read the first couple of chapters of First Samuel. Do you remember how Eli was unable to control his two sons? And how they abused the sacrifice by stealing from God? And how their immorality with the women at the entrance to the tabernacle was well known amongst the people of Israel? They were the sort of sons that would bring sadness to an old man's heart. There's no suggestion anywhere that Eli participated in any of the wickedness. And while he made some feeble attempts to get them to reform, he didn't have the courage or perhaps desire to do what had to be done, which was cut off his sons from the priesthood completely. He had a word with them to no avail. And after that, he seems to have just tried to bury his head in the sand and attempted to ignore what they were doing. Eli's sin was not one of active sinning but rather of passive neglect. In God's eye it's, it's just as bad. There's a poem, there are variations which speak of the danger of doing nothing. One of those variations goes like this. 
when the Nazis came for the communists I didn't speak up because I was like, wasn't a communist when they came for the Jews I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew then they came for the Catholics they didn't speak up because I was a Protestant then they came for me and by that time there was no one left to speak up for me Eli may have spoken to his sons but he didn't act and it was action which was required Eli tried to ignore what his sons were doing but God wasn't prepared to let Eli settle in comfort they began to send messengers to Eli to Eli's messengers that would trouble Eli's soul concerning his inaction and tell him the results of that inaction for there was a judgment in Eli and his family hanging over them as a result of these two sons his first warning comes from a man who is simply called a man of God some ancient Hebrew scholars identify this man of God as none other than Elkanah father of Samuel but there's nothing in the text to suggest that to us as with similar warnings found elsewhere in scripture the warning begins by recounting the works of God and particularly the special place the Jewish people have in the plan of God this time the emphasis is not on the generality of the covenant but on the specifics of the priesthood did I not clearly reveal myself to your father's house when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your father out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar to burn incense and to wear an ephod in my presence. And I also gave your father's house all the offerings made with fire by the Israelites. Eli is being reminded that the priesthood has been given to them by God and that God through the system of sacrifice has made provision for them by way of food they have the meat which was cooked until there was no blood left in exchange for caring for the tabernacle of God they had been cared for by God it was always the custom that only the best was good enough for God when it came to sacrifice but these two sons were taking the best for themselves they were taking what rightfully belonged to God they stand in history as a warning to us also when we hold back in our offerings to the work of God and keep for ourselves what rightfully belongs to God God asks the question why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling it may be Phineas and Hophni who are the prime guilty individuals but Eli is also in the dock for his failure to deal with his sons maybe Eli is guilter than we first observe because God through the man of God says to him why do you honour your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by people of Israel Maybe Eli was not guilty of the act of stealing from God but he did not pass up the opportunity of a meal of extra succulent meat provided by his sons. He was a bit like the man who would never dream of breaking into a car 
but would still buy a cheap radio from a man in a pub. He benefited from the crime as much as his two sons, even if he thought he had a clear conscience. God shows him he hasn't. He has benefited by his son's crimes and therefore must share in their punishment. God's word to Eli should have sent a tremor through him, through his whole body, for their fearful words. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and your father's house will minister before me forever. But now, the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honour me I will honour, but those who despise me will be disdained. God is pronouncing a judgment. Effectively, he disowns them. From the mid-50s onwards, the, the church has emphasised the love of God, and rightly so, for God is love. Sadly, however, we have done so to the exclusion of another truth, which is that God is holy. He is a God of justice. People live today without any awareness of being under the judgment of God. And because they have not been told that a day of judgment is coming, they believe they can do whatever they want. And there's no price to pay. There's a price to pay, however. And God will judge the world. And only a relationship with God through Christ will exempt you from that judgment. I've conducted a lot of funeral services over the years, probably now several thousand. And while I cannot judge those who have died, I know in my heart that many will find themselves on the receiving end of the wrath of God. And that disturbs me greatly. It makes me question whether or not I or the church as a whole has called these people by not failed these people by not telling them again and again of the judgment of God so that they could have an opportunity to turn to him. Eli's whole family is to be cursed. The curse is to be that they will all die young and no one will carry on the family line. They're to die in the prime of life and those who are left will be left with nothing but tears blinding their eyes. The rotten apples in the barrel are to be separated out and destroyed for the sake of the whole barrel and the whole nation. <coughs> of course, such a thing could happen naturally. I had a branch of my family where because of an inherited heart defect, one line of the family literally died out. These things happen, but just so no one is in any doubt that this case, it is a curse upon Eli's family by God, it will be marked by an especially sad event. What happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phineas, will be assigned to you. They'll both die on the same day. They've been cut out with the precision of a surgeon removing a cancer's growth but they also need to be replaced and the man of God says to Eli 
I'll raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his house and he will minister before my anointed one always. They are to be replaced by someone who can and will do the job. They will be replaced by someone who is untainted by their sin. Now to us it's already obvious that the person in the mind of God is none other than Samuel. God has already got this his man in place for the next turn of events. There's a saying, cometh the hour, cometh the man. Though no one seems to know where that saying came from. But it certainly seems to fit in this circumstance. Samuel is a man for the hour which is fast approaching. <coughs> there will be some of old Eli's relatives still around of course but having been dependent on the offerings given to the priests they will be left destitute when the priesthood is taken away from them they will be left begging for money for food for work in the tabernacle so that they can scrape an existence Maybe then everyone left in their family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver, a crust of bread, and plead, appoint me to some priestly office that I can have food to eat. Eli's family will be reduced from the high office of priest to be little more than beggars. I remember a minister who defrauded a national organisation fled to America and eventually returned to Scotland having changed his name. He was of course put out of the ministry and ended his days playing the bagpipes for tourists at the foot of the mound in Edinburgh, effectively begging on the streets of the city in the shadow of the General Assembly Hall of the Kirk. And I think of him whenever I read this passage. We look around us and feel that there's no justice in the world. As people live in fear. But God is God. God is a God of justice. And there will be a day of judgment more terrible than any court of the land. Jesus said, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you, that man will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted and by your words you'll be condemned. Let us pray. Gracious Lord and Father, we thank you that you are a God of love, but we remember also that you are a God of justice and holiness, and that indeed there is a day of judgment. We thank you that in love you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die for our sin, that if we trust in him, then your justice will be satisfied and we may enter into your kingdom. Lord, 
grant us a hunger for the souls of those around us that we may indeed rescue the perishing that we remember Jesus words about the fields being ripe for the harvest and remember that he's speaking about the souls that are ready to be saved Lord you've laid on us an awesome burden to speak the gospel into every situation grant us to be wise stewards of your word to be faithful in your service and simply to give to you all the glory Amen Well, we want to thank Reverend Alan Ford for joining us here this morning. Alan will also be sharing in our church service at 10.30, so you're welcome to join us there. Well, let's worship together as we sing in our closing hymn, We Rest on Thee. We rest on Thee, our shield and our Stay thy grace